0: Hey, welcome to the Remo Tlale Life and Faith Podcast, a long-form podcast designed to help you thrive in your
1: life as well as in your faith.
0: All right, Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, Today is a privilege and an honor to have a great friend on the podcast who I really think is a young person who is thriving in life as well as in their faith. And I think today we're gonna be able to uh, journey along with him and be able to learn from his his journey as well uh, as i have over the years been able to do um, and today we have neil the jet robinson on the podcast neil welcome to the podcast dude.
1: Hey amen thanks Reems thanks for having
0: me absolutely brother uh dude will you just uh, give people a brief kind of introduction into who is who is neil tell us anything that uh, you think is important that we should know about you before we dive in
1: Yes, so I am uh, Neil, surname uh, Neil Robinson. Most people call me uh, Nilo. It's like a natural thing for people to call me Nilo, even if they've never heard the nickname. I don't know how they get it, but they do. Uh, so that's that's my nickname, Nilo. Um, And uh, I've been a Christian, a disciple for six years now, and currently in a transition of learning how to run my own business. Yeah.
0: Nice, dude. Six years, brother. Yo, time flies. Eh? I'm like, I'm like, wow. I didn't, I didn't yeah. even remember that it's, it's been six Probably years. Probably like
1: six, six, six and, years, and a half, it? six and three quarters now. <laughs> Yo, yeah, bro,
0: we, we're gonna get, we're gonna get gray hair soon. I'm sure people yeah. listening to this are thinking, no, that's still early days. But yeah, it just It feels, it it just feels just like a long time. Whole, Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but dude, take take me back, brother. So um. Obviously just to kind of get a bit of a, of a picture of who Neil is and where Neil comes from,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: what is your family of origin? Are you an only child, is there, do you have siblings, kind of how did you how did you grow up in those early
1: years? Yeah, so you could call me an only child, I grew up with a half-brother that was there on the odd occasion, so we've got the same okay. dad, different, different moms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're definitely very close now, but I would say we grew up as more... Yeah, more acquaintances and friends than as siblings. Yeah, he sure. would come on the the odd weekend here and there. So yeah, you could say I grew up, grew up as an only child. Yeah.
0: Sure. So and it was just you and you, you, your mom and your dad, eh?
1: Me and the folks. Yep.
0: You yeah, The folks. Nice, dude. And and um. If we kind of fast forward the trip, because we'll we'll talk about cycling, because cycling plays a huge role, and I'm sure that starts way earlier than this this question. Yeah. Uh, but but t- tell me, how then do you how then do you come to kind of studying the Bible, making a decision to follow Christ?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so my my journey with with God, I, obviously, all of us started from from birth, mm. but I think some crossroads, uh, crossroads, and crucial moments were. It started happening in around primary school. I uh, okay. I went to a, a, a Christian believing school uh, called mm-hmm. Christian Academy. And we used to have worship worship mornings uh, or assembly, mm-hmm. as they called it back then, every Thursday. I think it was Thursday morning. And uh, mm. I just remember being very moved by the, the different worship songs and really connecting uh, with... Sure yeah I don't know how to describe it then, but maybe God's God's presence and a feeling that that God exists mm. so that sort of seed was planted and um, and yeah my, my mom was, was also played a, a, a big role Dad as well, he was very supportive of, uh, of Christianity, but my mom would always teach me to you know rely on God and pray if, if everything goes south, you know the last. Last resort is is God, so <laughs> sure, uh, sure. I kind of had that had that in my upbringing. So yeah, yeah. And
0: t- tell me, tell me, kind of high school age, or you were you were you kind of a good kid who just kind of you know followed God right the way through, or did you have a little bit of a bumpy road there?
1: Yeah, a bit of a bumpy road, I would say. I, yeah, I don't know what you would call good and bad. <laughs> sure. A defi- definition that one. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I do know that the school system was not for me, mm. I spent uh, most of my days outside the classroom than inside, feeling <laughs> because I had I had quite a lip with the teachers, and they sure. I often get kicked out, and mm. uh, yeah, my, my big dream when I was in school was, you know, I'm just going to become a pro- professional cyclist, I don't actually need academics, let yeah. me so just scrape by and get through here. Sure. Um, but yeah I think high school years uh, probably from grade ten to matric were probably my hardest hardest years spiritually. I just hit rock bottom in terms of mm. yeah just sin and experiencing the meaninglessness of of life without God there was just a, a deep ache and a deep emptiness sure. um, there that I, I knew something was missing um, when it comes to to knowing God and um, having a relationship with him. I just didn't have the words to to describe where I was at. Um, okay. Yeah, so that was, that was a pretty crucial turning point because I was rock bottom and that's when you tend yeah. to reach out for for help. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, yeah. let's put a plug in the
0: in the spiritual story there because you already mentioned the cycling. When did you start cycling?
1: Sure, man. I uh, You could call me a mini... Uh, the, my dad and family used to call me like the mini evil Knievel, uh, no, really. stunt man. Um, so I, anything with wheels I had from like, just after I learned how to walk, uh, I used okay. to race down like these downhills with, with bicycles and then scooters, roller skates, skateboards, mm. and then it became sure. motorbikes and I would build Built like these ramps in the garden, and sure. uh, there was this one crazy stunt. We've got this downhill garden. It's quite a long track, and I would mm. sprint as fast as I could. And there's this hand swing that you grab with your hands. So I'd i sprint down, and I'd let go of the handlebars, grab the, um, grab the the handle, and like swing high into the trees, and the bike would carry on and crash into the wall. So and that was at a very small, <laughs> <laughs> very small age. So. Sure. So I was a little bit crazy. It's still a miracle to me that I've never broke any bones. Um, wow, because there were some crazy things done. So my mom had a tough time running, <laughs> running around <laughs> after me, and uh, I'm sure she has got some sure. gray hairs to show for it. So sure, sure, and and competitively,
0: Neil, when did you start kind of
1: racing? Sure, I would probably say competitively from the age of. Uh, yeah, I would say like twelve, thirteen, and then wow. okay. and then around sixteen, it started dawning on me that I'm actually quite quite good at this, and mm. I'd, I'd like to pursue this really, uh, um, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Sure. Sure.
0: Okay. So so it's it sounds like the the upturn of the cycling that kind of coincides with this with this kind of downside of the spiritual life. I'm not saying it's you know cause and effect i'm just saying Mm -hmm. around 16 17 18 you said you know spiritually was just kind of the worst time Mm. Uh, but at the the same time you're heavily pursuing this like okay i could do the cycling thing professionally Mm. right and so so what what's kind of the turning point spiritually what kind of helps helps spin the wheels in a different direction there
1: so i think um what was it uh so I in high school I became uh, best friends with a guy named Jade Barter. some of you listening may know him may not mm. um, and we we sat together literally we put we sat together on the same desk in the same class first day of grade 10 I remember it was English class and we sure. just kicked off this great friendship and he introduced me to um the church and um I got to know different people and disciples and and I think he asked Rodwell and we, we did one Bible study in grade 10 or 11, but I wasn't ready at all. And it flew mm. straight over my head. Sure. And uh, I just wasn't at a place of desperation or brokenness to to really seek God uh, wholeheartedly. I didn't really need mm. Him. Mm. Um, and well, I didn't need Him. I just didn't think I did. <laughs> yeah, sure, um, sure. I, uh, and then, yeah, sin and a lot of emptiness and uh, grade 11, 12. Then when I, after I matriculated, started pursuing pro cycling, Jade asked me again, um, I think it was around January time, to study the Bible. Um, and uh, I remember it was almost like an answered prayer. I was crying out to God and I didn't know the words to, what to cry out to Him, what to ask for, but I knew I needed Him. Yeah. And then we started opening the Bible, looking at the scriptures, and I started to... I was just shocked uh, that the same Bible that was on my shelf was the same same scriptures they were showing me. <laughs> sure. Uh, I actually yeah. went home to check the Bible on my shelf that they weren't like tricking me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um and uh, so and then yeah I just got to know Jesus through the scriptures and and followed yeah. him and began experiencing him in a way that I'd never never before. Um, sure. Yeah, so That's that was really cool. that was the turning point. Yeah.
0: That is very cool. And and what was it about Jesus that stuck out? Like, if you think back, you may not remember everything, but what what are the things that you remember? Like, sure, that was just a big game changer
1: for you. Yeah, I think his. I would. I'd probably say back then it was his love for the poor and, and needy I remember doing like I would read through the gospel of Mark and just look at different things that Jesus did mm. and I would literally do exactly the same. There was no real sure. tact or discernment. <laughs> I remember taking like a bag of literally half of all my clothes and just giving it to a guy on the side mm. of the road uh, just because I saw Jesus' sure. heart for. Like there's that passage in uh, Matthew 25 where Jesus says when you... Fed the hungry. When you visited the guy in prison, you were actually doing it to me. Mm. Uh, and I remember doing that and and really experiencing the, the truth of that. And I guess just experiencing Jesus's heart by walking in His footsteps, was mm. a very simple way to get to know Him back then. Um, sure. Yeah. So that's. That that was what stood out at that time. So there's been a bunch of other lessons since but at the time that's what what moved me because I never really read the scriptures and applied them and therefore I never actually experienced what what it is to to follow him walk in his footsteps and yeah.
0: Yeah I love that I I love that you said that you know getting you got to know Jesus by just walking in his footsteps doing what he did Uh, and I think that's such a uh you know it's it's such a it's a it's an easy thought like yeah yeah that's what you got to do but it's actually such mm. a powerful idea that just just do it like do do what he said and you get a sense of who the man was mm. uh, that, that walked this planet which is quite a quite a cool way to put it and then what was the tipping point what was kind of the thing that said okay no more just living kind of because you you grew up you know calling yourself a christian you grew up saying you knew god uh, what was the turning point that said, all right, this is it, I'm all in, man. I, I want to get baptized mm-hmm. on it. I want to live for Him and not for myself.
1: Yeah, I think it was, I mean, the big thing was, yeah, for, for me, when I was starting to read the Scriptures and apply the Scriptures, I, I really experienced God's presence mm. and, and just an overwhelming sense of peace that I'd never experienced in my life before. And sure. uh, I knew that this had to be real. And what that meant was a radical change in the way I lived. Um, but I mean, there was still still some like uh, um, obstacles in terms of getting baptized. I I think uh, sure. yeah, they did a Bible study with me on baptism, and then um, I I got baptized uh, by my mom when I was twelve. But I I didn't mm. have any real understanding of of God and what baptism meant and and I just wasn't wholehearted or, or didn't repent or, or any of those things I was the same guy. Yeah. And um and it just wasn't my own. It was just from my mom and her decision and I mm. really appreciate her initiating that in my my journey, but it wasn't it wasn't owned by me and it wasn't my own. Um and Anyway, so when they, they said to me, you know, Acts 2, um, where you need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receiving the Holy Spirit. I was mm-hmm. like, sure, cool, man. You know, I've been baptized and <laughs> great. And <laughs> um, sure. and uh, they were like, no, you, well, you didn't really understand it. And I agreed with that. And we didn't really come to an agreement. We sort of agreed to disagree and I carried on and it was about two weeks and in those two weeks I went on a road trip with uh with I think it was Jade and Matt uh Mm gearing to Durban and uh I got to yeah experience the church that side in a big way um and had some some good conversations with with people and them sharing their journeys and in becoming disciples I remember going for a cycle with uh, with uh, Duncan Comrie and uh, speaking mm. to him and being vulnerable with him. And I was just like, wow, this is some older, older guy. And we're speaking about struggles and uh, discipleship and God and deep things. Mm. And it's the first time I've met him. And it's this completely safe place. I was just like, mm. there is nothing like that in this world. And sure. so that was very moving. Anyway, fast forward, I got back from the the road trip, it was a bit of a break from my training. I used to train six, seven days a week, got back on the Monday, Tuesday, jumped back on the bike and had a near, near death experience with a, with a truck. Um, I was riding down this downhill and oh, wow. uh, this, it was like a petrol tanker truck came past me and I, I hmm. can't describe it. It was almost like, so I was on the left of the road, really close to the pavement curb. And this truck mm. came past me. He didn't see me because I was too low out of his eyesight. And uh, the front tires, like I could see in front of me. So in other words, the, the tires from behind should have been hitting me. Yeah. And then the last tire uh, like nicked my pinky finger. Like it literally just like scuffed me. Like, wow. Uh, so I was just like, that was. Very very close to me going under <laughs> this sure, 20, 20 ton tanker and literally pulled my phone out of my pocket, phoned Jacques and Jade and said, I need to get baptized this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, yeah, that will that will that'll get you right. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, Okay, cool, great. And sure. um and that was yeah, that was the beginning of, of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And and how do you because there's kind of two, there's
0: two things you mentioned there. On the one hand, you, you mentioned kind of there was there was need for a lifestyle change, and I you know love to hear a little bit more about that. But particularly on the if, issue of kind of a theological, you know, for lack of a better word, dispute. Obviously, your mom feels like did I baptized you? You're sorted, uh, and then you read the scriptures for yourself, and you feel like mm, I don't think that's how this should work how do you handle that with your mom? I mean this is you know obviously for for, for a child to turn turn around and kind of say, "Mom, I believe different or I'm thinking different about something is not easy so how did you how did you broach those sorts of conversations?
1: Yeah, so I think that was one of the reasons that hindered me from from getting uh from repenting and being baptized according to the scriptures was mm. was that conflict or potential offending my mom and and her her motives um mm. But yeah, the way I approached it was just that you know I, I wasn't ready, and it wasn't my own decision at all, and um sure. I I hadn't read the scriptures, I didn't understand what baptism meant, and 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 this is this is a decision I'd like to make for me and my relationship with God, mm. um, and that yeah that was the way I I approached it so, sure, and it was fairly straightforward I think more of the. Uh, yeah, the anxiety was from my end because I didn't want to cause conflict or upset mm. anybody. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I ask because I think I can imagine that the, you, that's not your story alone, right? That there's lots of kids who've who've grown up for better or for worse in homes where different things have been done doctrinally and then as they read the scriptures for themselves they may come across things that they're like oh wait but we did that and i think this is what the scripture is actually saying mm. and so there can be that that tension like you say of anxiety inside yourself or how do i how do i broach this so um mm. yeah i think it's i think it's always good to kind of hear that that perspective in case it, it helps someone Mm -hmm. Um, but then you also mentioned that you know there were some lifestyle things that had to change what what are some of those that you felt like yeah this this really has to go if i'm going to be a a truly you know devoted follower of jesus
1: yeah yeah so i think a big one was my just self-centeredness uh with Mm -hmm. regards to my pursuit of my career in cycling i remember being very very focused um on on making it and doing really well, and one of the elements that comes from that is recovery so mm. you you adapt from your training in in recovery, so mm. that's when your muscles grow and adapt and strengthen um so I was pretty ruthless about recovery to the point of cutting out unnecessary time wasters <laughs> uh or things like that so I remember yeah. a situation that was and i yeah, it it I wasn't aware of it at the time, but looking back, it really stung. I remember I was with my my parents used to work at a car dealership, and it had some stairs down to the bottom kitchenette where we'd make tea and coffee. So, so mm-hmm. I came came back from a training ride, and my mom asked, "Please, I'm you know I'm quite tired. Please, can you make me a cup of tea or coffee?" So I mm-hmm. said, "No, I can't walk up and down the stairs. I'm in recovery. That that hinders recovery type thing." And I was pretty sure. stern and. Harsh about it, <laughs> Sure. so and it was like that. I mean, that was my motives. It was all about me and my growth and my progress wow. as a as an athlete. Um, yeah. So it it became a a big idol, um, in a yeah. way. So. So that that had to change, and you know I had to. To to figure out what what is the balance of of using your talents to glorify God versus you know letting those talents become the the center uh or, or number one above god um mm. so that was that was something i had to to figure out right. sure
0: well I definitely want to continue that that conversation because that's uh uh that sounds like a, a good a good um a good wrestle to try and figure out how do you how do you make sure that you're actually you know using your talents for god and not for yourself uh, mm. But before, before we get into that, um, when, when were you baptised then, Neil? So you, obviously all this wrestling and stuff goes on, mm. and you, you call, you call the, the dudes after the near death experience and say, listen brothers, this thing needs to get sorted out. And then, so when, when were
1: you actually baptised? Yeah. yeah, I was baptised on uh, the 31st of May 2015, so I studied the Bible for around 3, three to 4 months. Um, yeah
0: that's very cool all right 20 2015 man let's go all <laughs> right and then a, and so at that point you you're pursuing cycling full-time right this that's the goal like the the whole aim yeah. is I I want to get this thing done um and so you said you were training six six to seven times a day can you run us through kind of what an average week would have looked like for you when you were at your peak of like really really pursuing this
1: yeah yeah so uh, at the, the height uh, probably I would say twenty sixteen was my best condition um mm-hmm. I was training on average twenty to twenty five hours a week uh, that's wow. six six days a week mm-hmm. um and one rest day and the rest day would usually be active recovery so that's you're looking at between five hundred and seven hundred ks uh a week um on the on the saddle and then above and beyond that was was core workouts mm-hmm. um Different strengthening uh, exercises to 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 strengthen your core, squats, abs, glutes, yeah, um, all of that. So stretching. So it, it required a lot of, lot of discipline and, and grinding. Uh, that sure. was for sure. So
0: that is crazy, bro. Yeah, because I mean, you know, part of the the thing for me is obviously I, I think you know I think you're cool regardless, but I feel like I remember <laughs> meeting you, and I was like, man, this guy is like this is the thing like like he's he's not playing around and it's not often i mean you meet guys especially south african context you meet guys want to be rugby players or soccer players you don't often meet a guy who says no dude i want to i want to hoi cycling it's like oh okay that's a that's really Mm -hmm. unique but i remember watching you and and like you say i mean it was it was hours you know copious amounts of hours on the bike Mm -hmm. and it's just like yeah this is what what has to be done Mm
1: -hmm. um and so if
0: you know for people who who maybe you know aren't as avid cyclists you know can, can you give us kind of an idea of uh of kind of what are some of the races the types of races that you were involved in uh, just to, just so people can have a, a mental picture of,
1: of what this meant yeah so i used to juggle between two uh mountain biking and road but my specialty was road cycling i was a sprinter so if you think of athletics You've got your long distance, really skinny guys that can run for hours on end, and then you've got mm-hmm. your Usain Bolt, who, mm-hmm. uh, who's really good over 100 meters. Uh, and yeah. so the thing thing with cycling is, the Usain Bolt still has to compete with the skinny, uh, runners for long hours sure. on end. He still has to mm-hmm. do like the Tour de France three weeks through the mountains to get yeah. to the finish line in order to to sprint so so I was I was a sprinter um a skinny sprinter so a slightly uphill sprint worked worked really well for me with the the power to weight ratio um yeah and uh yeah so that was that was who I was as the type type of rider
0: yeah mm. and how and what is the longest race you've ever
1: been involved in um I would say in Mpumalanga tour, we would also do different tours, so it would uh, we would juggle between one-day races on weekends and, and mm-hmm. tour races, but uh, an Mpumalanga tour was around, I think it was around 800 kilometers, if I'm not mistaken, but they start you out, so it's about seven stages, uh, they start you out wow. on the first stage through the mountains of Mpumalanga with 200 kilometers. <laughs> That's, sure that's day one and then you wake up the next morning and you you gun it again <laughs> by by day by day three you are literally running on your mind your Your body is yeah. shattered so so by the time you finish a race like that you you literally crash and burn because you yeah. once you mentally switch off your body just follows so yeah um yeah so it required a lot of mental grit and uh Just grinding, yeah.
0: (laughs) Sure, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, which which is why, like, and maybe you know, I I know I know Aunt Vanessa, so I don't want to like offend her, but which is why I can understand you thinking, "Mom, I need to recover, man. Like, I can't be walking up and down the stairs to get your tea, like, because you, that's the level at at which you're trying to get to, right? And Mm. you try to do that, you know, have that eight day go by." And yes, it's going to be hard. It's always going to be hard. But you want to be the guy who stands at the top of that, you know, eighth day saying, exactly. I did it. You know, I, I was mm. able to win it. So uh, every every little moment counts. And so I can understand why there's, a, you know, they can become a big focus on self and they can become this, mm. it can become this idol. And so how do you wrestle that? How do you wrestle out that, you know, I want to glorify God and honor God with my talents because he's clearly given this stuff to me. But at the same time, man, I need to be like Christ
1: as much as possible. Mm. Yeah, so I think for me, I would often pray for uh, just pure motives. Uh, like I would pray, God, you know, help me to do this to glorify you with my talents and not be, not be centered on myself. Um, and sure. I remember going to training camps with uh, with different teammates and and really praying that that I could be a shining light towards them and show them the scriptures as other men showed me the scriptures and and taught me mm-hmm. how to have a relationship with God and follow Jesus um, and there were there were a lot of guys that got to study the Bible as a result of that that was sure. Uh and and quite a couple got got really close and uh, we counted the costs of what it looks like to follow Jesus and they just didn't weren't willing to, sure. to, to change their their ways and repent and um, and that's in their court but but it was a great way to expose athletes to to the gospel yeah um and i i prayed you know god if this is the career you want for me just you know open the doors if you want me to go to europe close the doors if it's not something that's going to be helpful for me spiritually Mm. in my relationship with you and others um, um, i don't want it to be destructive and i I don't want this to become something that's above you um Mm. i want you as number one and um, and, and that led to, I mean, my career ending through different circumstances, which we can chat about in a bit, God did yeah. close that door, yeah uh, but opened other really awesome doors in crazy ways. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, and, and I remember,
0: uh, again, we, we got to, we were living down the road from each other when, when kind of those years, 16, 17, 18, I remember, well, 18, I don't think, um. But I remember those years of kind of meeting these guys who were like you, who, was, who would sit for, for hours on a bike, mm. uh, you know, working really hard to, to to kind of break through. Obviously, it's not, it's not a super affluent world, you know, in, in South Africa. It's not, I guess, mm. not like Europe and, and the US yeah. where you can make tons of cash. Mm. Uh, but there was a number of you guys who were super dedicated to it. And so I remember those guys as we met them and, 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 and seeing your interactions with them, where it was that there was this shift of, man, cycling is still super important, but it's mm. not as important as the most important thing in my life, which is you know, yeah. obviously God and his kingdom. So I, I feel like that's yeah. that's a good word for people who, who maybe are pursuing, you know, uh, something that's very, that requires a lot of dedication, very specific, mm. um, you know, kind of mode of whatever. Uh, it's it's super important that it, you, you can do both. And I think that's what we're always trying to, to talk about here on the podcast is that, yeah. you know, uh you know you can thrive in life as well as in your faith. Like it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be one or the other. Yeah, yeah, which is epic. Yeah, but you mentioned that uh the um the career kind of tapered off there. What 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 happened if you can briefly describe to us what kind of led to
1: the end of your career as a cyclist? Yeah, so t- uh, twenty sixteen was probably my best year. I won a couple of races and uh had a really good stage win at a race called the Clover Tour. Um and beat uh the the guy who won SA's biggest race which was the Cape Argus at the time. And sure. um I I beat him in the sprint and it was really a, a, a confidence booster. Um and then about a couple of months after that, leading into twenty seventeen, I started to develop a leg injury um and uh it had sort of the symptoms of ITB. Some of you may know what that is, but you get a sharp pain down the 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 middle of your quad, um, yeah. and uh, it literally you can't can't pedal or run or, uh, so I went to physio after physio and nobody could diagnose what what the problem was, sure. And eventually yeah. I became a case study and I got physio for free. <laughs> I, I tend to have <laughs> sure. a knack for getting things for free, <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. and. Uh, yeah they literally couldn't figure out what was wrong and it turned out to be a, a it wasn't a muscular issue it was actually a blood blood flow issue so um what they call the iliac artery was getting blocked um which which runs through your hip and from all the the angle that you cycle at um that hip gets quite a lot of attention on that artery, so so there was scar tissue that developed. So basically, they they just had to open up that that artery nicely so that that blood could flow, and that, and then it was completely fine after recovery. But that that took a year uh, of rehab wow. and physiotherapists, and that that sets you back uh, as an athlete. You it's really difficult to come back from that. So I had to figure out am I am I going to give us another shot. Um, at the time and I think there's stories there was a lot of doping scandals and for me to to make it in Europe I would have needed some some extra assistance I don't like to cast that on others there's probably guys sure. who have made it clean uh, but yeah. it is a definitely a a sport that's filled with uh, with doping and uh, mm-hmm. for for me to perform at that level I would have needed. Needed some hands, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. so I wasn't willing to compromise in that way. Um, so I decided to, to go into technical college uh, and study a form of engineering. I thought working with my hands was, was really what I wanted to do. So anyway, studied there for about a year and a half, and um, and uh, yeah. So then started with that. Mm. Um, sure. Yeah, that is that is rough, dude.
0: Like, yeah, I, I know a couple a couple of guys who've who've had year long injuries, and and almost every one of them, it's the, it's that year that the career kind of, you know, and, and, and I'm talking some running, some some football, and obviously you with with the cycling, you know, uh, those you, you just it's super super challenging to come mm. back. So that makes you know that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: Um. And I so forgot I forgot to I forgot to ahead, mention yeah. the the concussions, Reem. So, mm. actually, before. It was before the leg injury. I had uh, two. Yeah, it was before the leg injury. Two major concussions. I had big crashes in races at like sixty k's an hour, flew over the handlebars and uh, and landed on my head and uh, got got pretty badly concussed. And um, each yeah. time I got concussed, the the effects okay. were were different because. Um, uh, it You get damaged or you get bruised on a different area of your brain, so the, sure. the side effects are different then and, and those those knocked me out for a couple of months um, on end. I remember feeling paralyzed mm. in my own body, and uh, i couldn 't balance. I could barely walk fifty meters um, without yeah. like wanting to to fall over. Um, yeah, so those also played a played wow. a big role in in closing that door. Yeah, sure,
0: and and dude, uh, very quick. I was gonna move on, but very quickly, like, how do you deal with that disappointment? Obviously, you've been praying God close the door, you know, which is the right prayer to pray, but does not always necessarily mean your heart is very. Mm. you know ready for that to, to be answered yes you know to do for the door mm. to actually be closed but obviously you're dealing with concussions you're dealing with injuries you're dealing with the realization that sure this thing that i've been pursuing since you know 16 i've been doing it since i was yay high but you know really mm. pursuing it professionally since 16 mm. that comes you know comes to a halt like how do you deal mm. with that you know that level of of uh of kind of disappointment
1: yeah yeah um well, I uh, I do remember crying a few times. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, I remember. Mean, I mean. And uh, so that's probably one way to deal with it. But mm. but yeah, I think it was just being honest with God and uh, uh, and just walking with Him through the disappointment. Um, and time uh, takes time to. Looking back, I can evidently see God's hand in it, but at the time sure. you don't always see. See him working. <laughs> sure. And uh but he was he was right there nudging and opening doors and closing doors and um and, and working everything out like he promises yeah. for, for the good. Um mm. for for my good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sure. That's a good word. Yeah. Again it's yeah I mean life life, you know the 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 kind of kind of series of things that happen in one's life. It's hard to always tell what in the moment what to do and what's right. but I think you know they always say hindsight is twenty twenty, right It's super helpful to be able to look mm-hmm. back and, and figure things out from that perspective. yeah um cool. so so then you go on to kind of trade school, um, and, I, and I remember there was even a concussion uh, during some of your you know your practical work.
1: Yeah, doing, so doing
0: practical work at <laughs> trade school as well. I've got a
1: history of knocking my head on things. So, <laughs> sure. uh, so yeah, anyway, so I was at trade school and uh, eventually finished my studies and then started looking for an apprenticeship and and found an apprenticeship under an old guy uh, who, who imports um, plastic injection molding machines and and he said he saw potential in me and wanted me to, you know, take over his company so it was a really really big opportunity and Mm. uh, so I started working for him and, and started getting some training under his guys so we were working on a machine and I was in sort of the squat position looking at the electronics and the journeyman the guy who trains you and that you apprentice under was he asked for tools like really quickly the tools were on top of the machine but what I didn't know that there was a like a thick metal rod um, sticking out uh, that doesn't move at all. It's attached to the machine, and we didn't have hard hats, sure. and I jumped up, like full force, oh. and hit my head flat out onto this onto this rod, and oh, I remember like not knowing what happened, and then just like praying, God, I, I hope this is not another concussion. I hope it's not another concussion. Anyway, sure. within twenty minutes. I was like a drunk guy. They had to drive me home, and uh, wow. my boss at the time was very worried. Yeah, I, I arrived at my parents. They were like, "No, we've we've gone through this before. <laughs> we know how this works." <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, sure. But anyway, that time really impacted my vestibular function, and mm. I lost my ability to walk. I had to be trained how to walk again by a, mm. a special, uh, a rehab lady. Um. Mm. So it was a very humbling time, and I think the big big lesson in that, and I'm still learning that in a big way now, yeah. was uh, being a performance athlete, uh, results driven, goals, objectives, mm-hmm. uh, victories, losses, uh, it's very easy to bring that into your relationship with God who does not yeah. function that way at all, <laughs> <laughs> Sure. and uh, I was literally forced. Cause I, I tend to struggle with grasping God's grace, mm. but I was forced to realize that God loves me despite my performance. Like if I'm sure. lying on my back, concussed, I can't walk, I can't think, I can hardly read. Mm. Uh, like I had to ask, like, does God still love me? If I can't share my faith, I can't study the Bible with people, I can't... Mm do all these wonderful things that are a great blessing um, yeah. like does he still love me and it, the answer is yes but I would have never confronted that in such a deep way if it, if it weren't for those concussions so it took sure took three of them uh, to realize that <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, sure and sure. it's I might need a few more because I, I have yeah. constantly drift back back into that performance mindset but mm. yeah God's love is just incredible and, and we can rely on on Jesus's performance, performance on the cross, and not, not our own. Um, yeah. So it was helpful looking back, but not pleasant at the time. So. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah and and again, I think it's one of
0: those things. Uh, the, the The current series of interviews that we're in is kind of talking about this idea of a new year, and you know, people often set goals and they want to pursue things, and uh, which is why I thought, man, this is you know, great, great timing. I know we tried to do this interview last year, but this is actually great timing because that's what a lot of your life has been right it's been you mm-hmm. know pursuing these different goals um but i love that you've already touched on this idea that actually you know for god it's like uh, he loves us the way that we are right mm-hmm. whether you're lying down you know uh you know bed rest and 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 can't can't walk i remember that season as well it's like god still loves you in that space and i think there's mm-hmm. th- it's good for us to pursue good work and working for god but i think at the yeah. same time it's like that's not where we should get our identity from, which is such yeah. a such a challenging lesson to learn. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so so you recover from that concussion, um, and and then and then what comes next?
1: Yeah, so I, it was also a pretty discouraging time. I didn't have a job. Didn't know where what I wanted to do. There was not much direction in my life for probably mm. close to a year. I didn't have any form of employment, and I was just trying to, you know. Uh, borrow big or steal and figure things out. And I, I had sure. a couple of business ideas. And and wh- one of them was bringing in cycling kit from America, uh, a company called Pactimo. Um, mm. I, I had no idea what it meant to import or or anything uh, or what it looked like to run a business. And sure. and I had a couple of other ideas, maybe a coffee trailer, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so I was just asking a bunch of people's advice and uh, came across, just asked some different businessmen's advice, guys in the church, and, uh, yeah. and came across Donnie Voss, and he, he said to me, he's not a businessman, he's an accountant, but he knows somebody. <laughs> uh, nice. uh, and uh, he introduced me uh, to, to my, well, my previous boss, who I used to work for, Mm. and just to get advice. And he said, look, he might want to get involved knowing him with this cycling kit opportunity. So I basically arranged a meeting, uh, jumped into this meeting with this guy to find out that he has 10 companies and uh, a thousand staff. And, you know, I'm there feeling very intimidated (laughs) and uh, asking questions from this guy. And uh, uh, basically, he turned it he, he didn't give me any advice. He turned it into an interview <laughs> and nice. and he hired me, and he basically said, "You know, you're probably not ready to start your own business, but if you work for me, you'll learn more here in in six months, than you'll learn at any business school in five years, which is quite a bold wow. statement. Um, yeah. but i I can honestly say that I did <laughs> sure and yeah. uh, in a in a very big way. so. So he basically yeah took me under his wing and uh within like 2 3 months uh put me in a management position of one of his companies and said uh-huh. you know you you run it everything from finances to to staff to to managing the whole thing so I was in the biggest deep end of my life I remember sitting in a financial meeting and he asked me, okay, Neil, where, where were we, where are we now, and where are we going from a financial perspective and, and strategy? And I was like, you're caught in the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I can imagine. Uh, and I said to him, look, I didn't know I had to prepare. He says, of course you have to prepare, you manage this company. Um, yeah. So, I came more prepared for the next meeting, but there was yeah. just very high expectations Mm. And I either had to rise to the expectations or kind of run away, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and there were actually lots of conversations even in that, because so much of my insecurities and doubts and fears got exposed in mm. those deep waters, and yeah. I would actually, I mustered up the courage to chat to him and I said, man, I, I feel like a failure, you know, I feel like uh, you're disappointed in me and this and that. and." Um, mm. And, and we got to, to work through those things. And some of those lessons were, were really crucial. And he, he taught me a lot about business and how to run a business and how to think, think about business and, and make decisions and not, not take the, the results of them personally, if they work sure. out or don't work out. Um, and uh, yeah, so he, he really empowered me in a big way. Yeah. And, and how long were you with him, Neil? um a year and three four months okay so you know based on his
0: statement you you, you did you attended about 10 odd odd years of business school <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he said six months is five years you, you did over a year so that's you know more than 10 years of, of, of business school stuff but but naturally it sounds like it it truly was just this real robust learning environment like you were just mm. you know thrust into it and had to pick up a lot of stuff. Uh but it also sounds like it had it had deeper deeper teaching to give you than just oh this is how you run the books of a of a business mm. but really for your own character as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, big time. It was it was really good. Really mm. good for my character. And it was a challenging time. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. I can
0: imagine that. I can imagine that. Dude, and then tell me about um about the business that you run now. I, I wanna, you know, this is the this is the thirty second ad, uh, commercial on the on the podcast. Let <laughs> us know what it what it is that you do and, and and what you know, kind of what what's the service you provide.
1: Uh, they call they call this the elevator pitch. If you're in an That's elevator it. with a CEO and you've got thirty seconds, you need to pitch your business idea to to get in exactly business. exactly. Um, but I'll give you a bit of background. So I kind of stumbled upon this business by luck or grace or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. uh, we have a brother's household. We rent uh, a shared three bedroom house together. And um, there was a coffee table, old one that I actually really didn't like. So I spoke to the landlord. I said, "Please going to get rid of this thing. Um, what what do we need to do? He said, okay, well, if you pay me a hundred bucks, uh, you can sell it or whatever and get rid of it. So, I bought it for a hundred bucks and then I thought, okay, let me be cheeky and sell it for 600. <laughs> sure. And uh sold it for 600 and I, the guy came and paid me 600 and it sold. Uh, so, I was like, okay, well, let me try that again. Uh So, sure. I literally took that 600 and bought something else and it sold. And so, I just kept applying the same principles. Um, yeah and then stumbled across a really unique sort of type of era of furniture called mid-century modern Mm. and uh, which is inspired by Danish design and from sort of the 1960s to 70s uh, time period and yeah, I built built a brand around it and uh, it just grew and grew and grew to the point where I had to say to my boss, you know, I'm, I'm... earning a lot more than my salary here and what do you think and he was like sure you can resign in uh, a month
0: <laughs> and I thought okay sure. well
1: let me just start the conversation uh, not knowing that hey I'm actually gonna go full-time Yeah, mm. but there were I mean a couple of conversations because I prayed like god oh, do I go full-time do I work a nine-to-five because there's a lot of risks and guts involved and yeah. um and uh it, it just came up through several conversations like people would just mention you know Neil would you consider doing this full time um, mm. one day and and that was just like a common thread in in many many conversations so I definitely sensed the the spirit nudging me sure in that direction and also sensed that working for um, this guy unlocked a entrepreneurial talent and gift that I never knew I had and I'm actually yeah learning, I'm very good at it. Um, so I thought, you know, like, like what Paul says to Timothy, to, to sort of fan his gift into flame, I, I thought mm. this is the best way to to do that and, and explore that. And um, it's it's grown in, in ways that uh, you know, are beyond my imagination and it continues to grow. And, and it's been such an exciting, exciting journey, um, mm. the past Uh, so when was it? I think it was April, April, May that I resigned. So it's probably been like seven or so months. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So it's, so it's in its early days, but it's doing really well, which is encouraging. Yeah. That is awesome. Didn't, and I think this is, you know, when I thought about you and and thought about the podcast, I was like, like this, this is Neil, like this is iteration number three or four in the journey, right? Like, Mm. you know, from pro, from pro cyclists to, you know. Uh, you know working with your hands craftsman type thing to okay that's not going to work well i'm going to go you know mentor under a business you know a businessman uh you know manage stuff for him and then actually i'm going to go on my own like you know this is this is iteration after iteration and i know we got coffee a couple months back and you were saying well you know that's one side of the business but there's ideas there's you know there's still more ideas that that are, are you know trumping at your mind to try kind of Uh, pursue Mm. uh, which which i think you know to some extent the disciplines and the goal setting and the ability to work really hard from from all the way from the cycling at 16 Mm. have really you know translated to being able to pursue these things Uh, but what are some other things that you feel like have been really helpful in you saying man i'm gonna go go after what i see in front of me and really try to do my best at everything that i get get to do Yeah, i think um how
1: do i think about it i work I've got a funny way of being motivated. I work well under pressure <laughs> mm. even financial pressure so if if I don't have a bit of pressure to get me out of bed i I struggle to to get moving <laughs> <laughs> so so if I have like a bunch of new things on the go that I actually need funding for, that helps mm. me work hard at what I'm currently focused on so Sure. So like I've I've got two other business ventures that I'm investing in at the moment, and mm-hmm. those will not work if my current business doesn't perform at the top, at the best its best best its it can. Mm. Um, whereas if I just had the current business, I'd be quite comfortable um, sure. and just sort of very settled and going through the motions. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll become more self motivated with time, but at this stage, you know, a bit of the pressure and financial pressure is sure. actually very helpful sure. um, uh, for me. Um, but then I think having a, a, a good structure. Uh, so if you've got a vision for yourself personally, I, I sort of work off of a thing called VIM, uh, V-I-M, so vision, intention and means. So, uh, so if your vision is to build a business and scale it or, or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. You need the intention and desire to back that, and then you also need the means and the, the practical side of it. So, sure. so if you want to achieve that goal, what what does that look like practically on a daily basis, a weekly basis, yeah. and a, and a monthly basis? Um, sure. my my ex boss would often refer to business as a as a cake. Uh, it's like baking mm-hmm. a cake. Every every good cake has that tastes really nice and sells really well. Has a good recipe and stick to the recipe the cake is going to taste good and it's going to sell and that business is going to grow if you divert from the recipe it's probably not but there are also ways that you can improve the recipe sometimes the thing that's lacking is that little bit of salt or a touch of sugar or or maybe it's the branding around the cake or or the way you market the cake or, or whatever so so thinking about what what separates your cake from the other guy's cake so so it's <laughs> sure. a very very simple way to look at business. Uh, yeah. Business. I mean, it's not always that simple, and I'm very early on and figuring things out. But uh, mm. that helps me a lot. Um, yeah. And then I think in terms of something I'm learning, which has been difficult, is is how to, how to make godly decisions like every day, because I my decision making has gone up like a hundred fold. I, I have to make sure. way more decisions every day that have a lot more at stake, mm. um, and it can be easy to think, is this right, is this wrong, and you get tied up in para- paralysis, analysis, and then you mm. either make the wrong decision or you don't make any decisions at all. Um, yeah. But I, I think uh, sort of a, a principle that's helping me, I got from a, a business book, is, is seeing every business decision as a, an experiment um, mm-hmm. like if it doesn't work out you know you analyze the results and you, you try something else uh, that, that mm-hmm. definitely takes out the, the fear and doubt and insecurity of, of taking risks for myself because sure. it can either I can either be pleasantly surprised like wow that worked out let's do more of that and yeah. copy copy paste or uh it didn't work out like kind of like a scientist in a lab he doesn't take his experiments personally if it doesn't work out yeah that the chemicals didn't mix uh, move on try different yeah. chemicals <laughs> sure, um, sure so for a person like me who does take uh, failure very personally that that has helped uh in a big way mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. sure
0: well, dude, it, it definitely sounds like that uh, that school that you attended there for for a year and a bit has is, is, has really worked out. Obviously, like you say, it is early days, but this is you know even for for maybe someone who's not pursuing business and just wants to do their you know do their job well or finish varsity well or you know parent well i feel like there's some Uh, some good lessons there in in terms of just you know keeping making good godly decisions you know being being okay with you won't get it right every time like that's uh, such an important uh, an important lesson having good structure you know being able to build uh, structure uh you know we yeah, we we I'm learning that that man it's it's the structure and then sticking to the structure is probably the mm. bigger the bigger thing. But but you know, yeah. all these all these sorts of lessons I think, you know, like I say in these in these conversations, these interviews that we we're running here in the early part of twenty twenty two, it's like, man, this is This is a lot of what we need to know to be able to really thrive to really go after you know whatever it is that that god is putting in front of us to do um so very quickly neil you didn't mention the name of the business or where people can find you uh there's there's obviously people who listen from all over the place but but there are a number of south africans who listen so let us know where Mm -hmm. people can find the business and get in touch with you
1: that sort of thing yeah so it's, it's basically an online furniture store the um the main platform we work from is instagram um so I would I'd would suggest uh, Instagram the the business name is is Flippers uh, literally like flippers that you swim with but not those type and then you just add an ff on the yeah. end uh, for the the Instagram uh, handle um sure. and yeah you can you can check us check us out on there
0: i'll i'll definitely link to that put it in the show notes so that people can can find you nice and easy Uh, but brother thank you so much for the time dude this has been so good it's been good to be able to to chat and to to hear your story again on a big scale Mm. but also to learn from you to learn from all your discipline to learn from all your decisions all your hard lessons and easy lessons that have come through in the Mm. the journey I, i really do appreciate you Sharing your life with with me and the people of the podcast, uh, and I want to give you the last word, Neil. What would you like to say to to people to help them to thrive in life as well as in their faith?
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, Reems. I think yeah, just to say thanks. It's been so helpful sharing. Um, I think I can so easily forget God's tangible hand uh, in my journey, literally closing doors, uh, making me sleep uh, and uh, whatever. Um, yeah. And he really does work out everything for the good and and there's so many times where I can face different disappointments in life, and I get cynical and angry and disappointed at God because things didn't sure. work out according to my my mental picture of what I want to happen um yeah. and so yeah this just this podcast and thinking back and reflecting has actually been really good for me um yeah i would I would probably last thing to leave people with uh, is to not be too scared to respond to the holy spirit's nudges uh that that sure. come through uh people and asking advice and uh really things that you have on your heart and and not not letting fear and doubts and insecurity bury uh those uh those dreams and desires so uh to grab life with both hands and take risks and, and live it to the full uh that's something that I'm trying to trying to do and uh, just with this business venture it's been such a blessing and God has been so generous and it's so fulfilling to to live um, in line with these these new gifts that I've discovered um and to figure out how do I uh how do I uh use it in a way that blesses and upbuilds uh God's kingdom come on Come on, my brother,
0: thank you again. Appreciate the time. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more thought-provoking conversations, subscribe to the Rima Klale Life and Faith podcast. Please like, review, and share so that we can continue to help others thrive in their life as well as in their faith.